And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as he did last night as we watched Leicester City's home defeat to Aston Villa is former skipper Matt Elliott. Matt, how are you feeling this morning? I'm okay, Rob. Um, all the better for seeing you yesterday, but um, <laughs> slightly disappointed as well. All Leicester City uh, followers or supporters or people who take an interest, uh, you know, it, it was a uh, it was a poor result and not a brilliant performance overall. But we'll talk about that in a minute. No, absolutely. Well, well, let's get straight into that that Villa defeat, third home defeat on the trot in all competitions, and I can't recall that happening for a long, long time. It's um, it's a similar sort of situation, isn't it, really? I mean, they lack a lack of cutting edge in the, the final third. And obviously, without Jamie Vardy as well, the talisman striker, it's a perennial problem, isn't it? When Jamie's not about, what what is their plan B? Where they where can they turn? Last night, they turned to a guy that hasn't played uh, since January 2018 in Islam Slomani. I, I, I'm quite surprised, really. It feels like a backward step, but I guess with the inability of bringing in a, a, another striker in the transfer window... Rogers hasn't got much choice. He's got this striker knocking around on big money. He might as well get him involved. Bit of a blast from the past. You're sort of pinching yourself, thinking, "Hang on, I've seen this somewhere before." But um, and also not not so long ago, sort of Brendan Rogers was slightly dismissive of uh, Slimani's chances of being involved in the squad. I think he envisaged him leaving the club, but on if not permanently on yet another loan situation. But uh, wasn't to be, and then. Yeah, you have to utilise what you've got with you, haven't you? And I th- thought, listen, I, I was trying to look at it in a positive way yesterday at the game in terms of he does give you another option. He does give you more physicality in and around the penalty box if decent balls are delivered. Um, the rest of his game is not really one that um, Brendan Rodgers would, would see as a way forward for him, really, is it? And, you know, and as you say, there, there is a shortage. Once Fardy's out of the picture, there's a problem. Um, you know, there are a number of ways he could go. Ian Acho, the obvious one. Some people might think Ayose Perez, but again, he sort of fails to convince as well, doesn't he? You know, I know he's playing, some would say, slightly out of position. Or you do have Slomani there, or do you pair a couple of them up to to make up for any sort of deficits that they've got. But um, it is a worry. It is a worry, isn't it? With the the amount of games that are coming thick and fast soon as well, both in the league and the Europa League. I mean, Leicester are not the only team to have that problem, are they, Rob? It's having that secondary striker who's of sufficient enough quality um, to replace, be there an injury or a suspension or whatever, the main striker. Because more often than not, it's just that lone role. And you have to look for players that can play dual roles, really, don't you? You know, the likes, say the likes of Obama Yang. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing with the big problem for Leicester is that they've, they've set up to play the Vardy way. And Rodgers has always said he doesn't like a big target man. He likes mobile strikers, strikers that are running behind, that will cause defences problems. So when they had Slomani on for that final 20 minutes or so uh, yesterday, they weren't putting any crosses in the box. They're not used to just lumping crosses into the box in desperation when Jamie Vardy's in there. Uh, but talk about Kelechi and actually that was his big opportunity. Uh, what did you think of uh, Kelechi? I thought he started reasonably brightly, got one decent shot off in the first half. But besides, besides that, he it it, it didn't seem to get involved in the game. He shows glimpses, doesn't he? And you, you're willing him to do well, but you're not confident necessarily that he's going to go on a regular goal-scoring streak, are you really? And his effectiveness tends to fade as the game goes on. Not always, but you know, sort of the general perception, really. And it was a little bit how Leicester's performance in general was last night. You know, they started well enough, didn't they? And there were a few dangerous situations which Aston Villa just about dealt with. You know, they were sort of scrambling back defensively on a few occasions. Uh, Barnes was picking up good positions. Perez, but Leicester never really looked like penetrating, did they? You know, goalkeeper Martinez was very rarely brought into action and Eventually, they sort of ran out of ideas a little bit, I think. And it's, it's easy to label, you know, Ian Acho's role as uh, as not being effective enough or, it, or his performance. But you've got to be provided with ammunition as well in decent positions. And it didn't happen often enough uh, last night, that's for sure. Well, it wasn't the uh, the easiest game to watch in the world, was it? It was very, very scrappy, very bitty, very physical. Um, but one thing I thought to myself as I was watching it is, was, um, oh, Leicester City too nice. Because every time there was a challenge on a Villa player, they'd be yelling, screaming, because obviously we can hear them in an empty stadium. Uh, remonstrating yeah. with the referee, demanding more action than just the free kick, getting around him, being proactive in terms of trying to influence the referee. Leicester sort of just get on with it. Um, and I just wonder whether they're a little bit too nice, Matt. It's a fine line, isn't it? It's sort of a double-edged sword because you want your team to be disciplined. But at the same time, as you say, you, you, you don't want the other teams getting away with things they shouldn't be. And um, certainly Villa, you know, consciously made an effort, didn't they, to contest every decision. They were appealing for any sort of challenge, really. You know, it was bordering on embarrassing at times, but they had no shame, did they? They persevered with it. And I think, to an extent, it had a little bit of an effect on, on the referee, you know, and... That, that's semi-understandable. I know I know they shouldn't be affected, but um, you know, if you've got teams, constant managers and players constantly appealing, appealing, in the end, I know you get slightly annoyed with them as a human being, but in the end, you'll start going, well, maybe, they, maybe they're, they're right. They're, I'll give you that one sort of thing. And I think Leicester could counter that a little bit by, as you say, not being too nice. Uh, I mean, I was thinking to myself, what would I do in that situation? I'd be, I'd be getting on, because I could realise Villa were getting on at the ref. They're trying to apply the pressure. They're trying to, a bit of kidology. You know, to, just to make sure that the referee knows that, 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 you know, he's aware of that. Ref, you know what they're doing there? Yeah, that one was a foul. Okay, we'll give you that one. But don't let them sway you into thinking, ref. Don't, don't let them get on at you. So you've got to counter it. And then, you know, Play little games with the referee's mind as well. You know, make sure he's on your side as well. Because they, despite what people think or people admit to, they, they do get influenced definitely. You know, and even more so when there's crowds involved. But I think Aston Villa seemed to sort of enhance their efforts on the referee, didn't they? Um, because the supporters weren't there. You know, they, they made their 
opinions loud and clear. And I wouldn't say Leicester weren't physical enough last night. I thought they, you know, they put enough commitment into challenges and application was there. But a little bit in terms of mentality, like you say, they're not, not responding and not playing the game, for want of a better phrase. Is uh, I, I think they could, they could do that a little bit more. Yeah, be a little bit more edgy and ruthless, maybe. Well, let's talk about one of the, the big positive, well, the big positive out of the night, the debut of 19-year-old Wesley Fofana, uh, the young lad from St Etienne, £32 million they spent on him and he only played 30 senior games. And we were hearing a lot of things about this kid's got so much talent, so much potential, he's going to be a big star in the future. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking that's a lot of money to spend on a 19-year-old who's only played 30 senior games. But I have to say, it's one of the most impressive debuts I've I've seen for a very long, long time. He looks so assured. He was so I've never seen a spring like that aerially. He looks like he's never going to get beaten. It was um it was very impressive to see, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked good from the off, didn't they? Just slotted straight in there. It was everything you were hoping and expecting to see for for a signing, you know, of that uh, of that magnitude. You know, in terms of how much he cost. But I don't, you know, all the reports that you'd heard beforehand were that. He wasn't just a prospect that he is now a very good player. And I wasn't that surprised when I saw it, really. What I'd been told about and what I'd heard materialised in front of me, sort of thing. And uh, he was, yeah, he, he was very impressive, wasn't he? His pace was easily, uh, sort of instantly, you know, recognisable. You could see that. But also his understanding of situations. There were a couple of times where he could read that the striker was going to drift into offside. But he just matched them up until the necessary point, then just held his line a little bit, let Watkins run offside. And a couple of times he had to match him and read the situation. He dropped in early and his pace you know, well, didn't get him out of trouble, but pace made him deal with the situation extremely easily. And like you say, amount of headed clearances was good. Not only was he in the right place at the right time, he was good leap on him, made challenges, um, you know, he was nice and aggressive with it, comfortable on the ball. You know, you would not have known it was his debut, would you, if you, if you hadn't been told. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, a major plus, wasn't it? You know, to get him straight into the fold because, by the sounds of it, if Sonchu reportedly could be out for up to three months, he's going to be very much needed over the coming weeks. Well, yeah, that was another uh, another piece of bad news on a bad night for Leicester City, wasn't it? Suyuncu, he's uh, the, an abductor muscle that's come off the bone. He's going to be out for three months, along with Wilf and the Diddy. The injuries have been stacking up. With Jamie Vardy, we expect to be back for the Arsenal game. He's going to miss Thursday's Europa League game against Oriol Luhansk. They're just taking a precaution. But the worry for me, and this is going back to the early point, is that this is a reoccurring problem that Jamie's had over the last few years, this little calf that tightens up. Um, he got a bit of a kick on it in training on Friday, had the scan. The scan revealed it isn't too bad, but they've taken a precaution to, not to risk a tear to uh, leave him out of uh, the, the, the Villa game and the, the European game as well. So, but the, the injuries do seem to be mounting up. Johnny Evans, there were doubts about him coming into the game as well. And the, the, the load, the workload on placed on the players, Matt, how do you feel... Coming from a generation where, you know, you just had to get on on with it, suck it up and just get on with the games twice a week, whatever. You just battle through. But the game is played at such an intensity now that they seem to be picking up these knocks and these little uh, tears and pulls. Um, and it's real headache for managers. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. It is a problem, isn't it? Because a lot of people or players get castigated for saying, oh, I feel a bit tired and it's only you know, six weeks or so into the season. Um, but, you know, they're forgetting the load that they've put under, like you say, the international fixtures, um, the, the relatively, I know there was a, a huge break. It's a different sort of program and regime for them as well, I suppose, over that period, because, you know, the, the analysts and the backroom staff, they're, they're working in sort of new territory as well as the players. So it sort of upset their, their rhythms to an extent. And then, you know, players are playing a lot of games, aren't they, basically? You know, they're coming thick and fast in the early part of the season. And it seems to be taking its toll with a few. It is, it's, it's a big worry, really, when you think it's the, the nature of the injuries as well, isn't it? You know, the muscle tissue, um, you know, whether it's the muscle itself or it's it, it's coming off the, the abductor as Wilfred and Didi and so on, Julia, they're, they're quite unusual. They're not unheard of, but they're quite unusual injuries. But uh, for both of them to to suffer that, it, you know, it's a worry. And also with James Madison, I'm not entirely sure of the nature of his situation, but I was surprised that, you know, he was deemed not ready to start um, last night when I, when I thought, you know, he's had long enough, you would think, to recover over the international period. But maybe that's an ongoing issue that he's got to, nurture and, and treat as he goes along and sort of look after a little bit, which is another worry. But um yeah, you look at it on the face of it, Leicester put out a, a more than decent team last night, but they are missing their main men and that, that will have an effect without a doubt. You know, there's four, five, six key figures who are who are unavailable at the moment. That's gonna hurt any team. So it's gonna be a massive effort coming up over the next few weeks with, with both competitions they're involved in. Well, certainly starting on Thursday, Zoral Hans, the Ukrainian side, first ever Europa League. Although, of course, it used to be the UEFA Cup, but Europa League uh, clash for Leicester City is their debut in that in that competition. But you remember the days of the UEFA Cup, uh, Matt? What were they like? What was it like playing? In I Europe? thought this might get a mention. Oh, there were some <laughs> good times, though, wasn't there? Some memorable nights under the lights. Yeah, not enough, unfortunately, because uh, yeah. as bad luck would have it. Um, although it was an honour like, to play against the, the, the level of team that we did, we didn't want to play Atletico Madrid or Red Star Belgrade, as it turned out in 2001. We didn't want to play them in the first round. Can't we play them in the quarterfinals? That was the plan. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, we came up short on, on both counts, but uh, made a decent fist of it, particularly in the first time against uh, Atletico Madrid. You know, what a... What an occasion that was for us, going up against the likes of Janino, who had not long before been a superstar for Middlesbrough. And Christian Vieri was in their team. I think he was the most expensive striker in the world at the time. Like called Kiko, played up front for Spain. And all these big names. And we found ourselves pitted against them. And we had the temerity to take the lead, didn't we? And Ian Marshall scored the opener. Got that ex- his hamstring pinged, I think. And it came off five minutes later. Uh, ended up frustratingly losing in a in a bit of a dramatic affair at, um, at Filbert Street with a few dubious refereeing decisions, to say the least. But uh, yeah, they were good times. They were good times. But um, that was all about the sort of novelty and the experience of being in 
uh, a European competition. What's it like though? Is it a different type of football coming up against a, a continental side? But got to bear in mind that uh, things have moved on and a half, the majority of the Leicester side are, are from the continent as well. But it seems like, a, do you have to adjust to a different style of football, different style of refereeing? Refereeing, yes. <laughs> that was certainly, I touched on that just now and I think, um, I don't think our referee ever refereed again in Europe after after the second leg or something bizarre like that because uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of discussion over his performance. But yeah, I suppose yeah, like you say, things things have changed. It's a different scenario for again this current team, isn't it? I mean, we were going into it as it happened with who we drew, Atletico Madrid, who weren't one of the giants of Europe, but they were they were a force in Europe. They were well renowned and experienced. They had all, all the star players, etc. And yeah, we were sort of battling away against the odds. So, but it, it would, it, it was a bit of a learning curve, I think. You know, but we were sort of huffing and puffing, and perhaps got a little bit excited early on, taking the lead, not realizing you know it's a two-legged affair. Although we'd experienced that in, in domestic competition before, but yeah, there's just a different feel, isn't it, and different mentality a little bit. But let's to go into this this group stage in the Europa League. They've got to be favourites, really, haven't they? You know, all due respect to the other teams, and they're going to be a tough opposition, you know, whatever, because it's a it's a big occasion for for all those teams as well. In particular, Zoraida Hanks coming to to Leicester on Thursday, they're going to be well charged for it, aren't they? But Leicester have got, some of the players have had experience, like you say, the more continental players involved in the in the setup, and I think they're a lot better equipped than we were to deal with the occasion this time around. Well, exactly. And the games are going to be coming thick and fast as well because after Lahance, it's Arsenal away on Sunday, then Athens away in the midweek the following week, then Leeds away, and then Braga. I mean, there's some really tough fixtures coming up. We've already touched on the fact that the, the squad is wilting a little bit in terms of niggles and injuries and stuff like that. This is going to be a really testing time for Leicester. How do you think Brendan Rodgers should approach this in terms of the utilising his squad here? Because you can't be risking major injuries to, to key players, but also he's got to take the Europa League uh, seriously because after battling so hard to get in there last season, you, you want to give a good account of yourself on the, on this stage. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, a, it's a dilemma, isn't it, You know, for any manager? And ordinarily, perhaps you could envisage, you know, um, a number of injuries later on down the line in the season. But even at this early stage, there's a multitude of players, key players that we've, we've mentioned already that are not available for this heavy fixture list that is coming up. Uh, that's sort of backed up by, by the, you know, the Christmas period as well. It's always condensed. And then you've got the Europa League as well. It's, it's a tough proposition, isn't it? And I think, you know, that previously... You looked at other teams, like Wolves, you know, you have to take your hat off to them because you thought, well, they struggled initially, didn't they, when the, the early part of the season, I think it was last year. But they, they managed to sort of steady the ship and came through nice and solid because it's a testing time, isn't it? I think it's in, in new waters for not necessarily the manager, but the players, how to deal with that Thursday, Sunday, the regularity of it, chopping and changing of the squad because the best will in the world. Even if there were no injuries, you can't keep churning out that same team, and it's a, it's a real problem, isn't it? And uh, but you've got to find that balance. You, exactly, you can't be going out putting out what some people might deem effectively a second string eleven. 
in the Europa League and then you come unstuck and then there's uh, criticism flying at you from all angles, isn't it? So, you know, you have to have that quality in the team, but at the same time, you blend it and mix it around and uh, and getting yourselves up for, you know, Europa League, a big occasion, and then you're travelling away maybe to Athens and then you've got Wolves at the weekend, you know, recharging yourself. It's a big test on the character and the mentality of the players and uh, hopefully one that they'll be up for. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, let's finish, Matt, on a a look at the Arsenal game uh, on Sunday. I mean, last time Leicester City were on the road, incredible victory. We talked about the poor form at home, but to go to Man City and win 5-2... how do you think they'll be approaching this Arsenal game? Do you think it'll be a similar sort of approach to the Man City game in terms of the sitting deep and trying to counter? Uh, and do you think confidence would have taken a, a big knock over the last couple of weeks? Well, obviously, you know, losing games, it, it doesn't doesn't do you too many favours in terms of confidence. But, you know, it wasn't so long ago, was it, Man City? You, you've got to have a balanced view, haven't you? You've got to be realistic. You've got to, you've got to have genuine you know, this is where you got put in the hard graft in your own purposes and have genuine faith in your ability as an individual. And then you, you work hard as a group together. You know what you are capable of. There might be times you just drop below that level, of course, and, you, you know, you come up short a little bit, but make those occasions few and far between. Um, Arsenal, you know, always been a decent side. Over recent years, Leicester have had some good results up against them um, at home. Very rarely get something away, do they? And it would be nice to change that. But they're a team who's sort of looking to turn things around, aren't they, under Arteta? Um, you know, by all accounts, they're, they're looking quite impressive. Uh, the squad has got a lot of quality in it. But you look at it, Leicester still fourth at the moment, despite losing the last two games. Arsenal, right behind them, there's a hell of a lot to play for. So they can use that as an extra incentive as well. They don't want 
you know, who they're playing at the weekend, leapfrogging over them. Yeah, a win would put them right back in the fray again as well. They've got to look at the positives. It's not, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, fourth in the league after five games, five rounds of games is a no mean achievement. But um, but Arsenal, yeah, this, will they go to the type of game? Man City, yeah, quite. I, I don't. I don't think they'll go to a back three, though. I don't think they'll go back to that. I don't think he's got much choice, has he? Because he hasn't got enough defenders to play a back three. No, you could put Wes in there, couldn't you? Wes Morgan. Like you say, if something does happen injury-wise, then you're forced into a two. I suppose you could slip Castagna in there or Fuchs if he was substitute Justin even. But it's too much tinkering around there, really. But um, I, I, I don't think it suited them against Arsenal before in the three. No. Last season, I think they you know, have, have belief, have faith in in that back four, and still have bodies going forward. Because you know, at times in the first half, I thought that, I thought Leicester looked more comfortable in that back four uh, than otherwise. But uh, but other than that, yeah, they're going to have to listen. They're going to have to soak up a little bit of pressure, and they're going to have to be uh, show a bit of resolve out there. But they've got to show more importantly, got to show the potency to go and hurt the opposition which they struggled to do at home last night, even against Villa. Got to find this cutting edge from somewhere, with or without Vardy. Absolutely, Matt. Matt, thank you very much for joining us again. It's going to be a busy time ahead. Uh, so stay with uh, the podcast, 5,000 to 1. We're bringing you all the chat around Leicester City as they go over the next month to Arsenal, to Leeds, face Wolves and Liverpool, as well as their first three rounds in the Europa League. It's all going to be happening. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next time. 